Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. Hey, Robbie. Hey, buddy. Hi. So how are you? You okay? I'm good. I'm the very good. The big day good. is tomorrow. The wedding. Yes. It's a bit of an elopement COVID wedding. So uh, yeah, getting yeah. married. Rebecca and I are getting married tomorrow. Yeah. Very exciting. And uh, yeah. That's, and that's, your witness, you, you have uh, the we, actress from uh, Resident Alien, right? Yes. Our good friend, uh, Liz Bowen, Elizabeth Bowen, and her partner, Tim. Uh, Love her character, by the way. Love her character. Yeah, she's very, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're going to be our two witnesses and our uh, officiant from the province of British Columbia, ordained by the Canadian government. And we will be a uh, married, married couple tomorrow night. So I'm very excited. Although <laughs> not much crazy. is going to change. It's just <laughs> kind of like we keep doing, we keep watching our TV shows and lounging on the couch and that's what we do take the dog for a walk it's all yeah but it's good it's very exciting i'm thrilled yeah. you know we're doing this wedding and because we're not doing a big wedding we're we're planning on doing one maybe in a year um like a commitment ceremony with all the trappings of a of a wedding mm-hmm. when everybody can gather safely we're planning on doing that but for now oh, we're just doing this very tiny thing oh yeah gosh. so we're just gonna probably uh have our wedding our tiny little elopement wedding and then yeah. we're gonna we're gonna drink some champagne sounds good we're gonna come back and have a nice meal from our favorite uh, steakhouse here in town sounds uh, wonderful Gotham. well pre-congratulations to you, you and for everyone who's listening um we're about a week ahead so by the time you hear this or watch this you can just say congratulations on social media to robbie um so this week's episode yes. uh it's the swarm yes it is and um i think we should go watch this let's episode. go watch it yeah <laughs> i'm excited the what was swarm. that look you just gave me i was you, trying, I, all of us, I was like do i remember <laughs> this episode we'll see that's for the next part okay so i know patreon patrons stay tuned for your bonus material hey guys we're back from watching the swarm yes it was a swarm it was. Swarmy. It was so sw- very swarmy. Yeah. Um, there wasn't as much swarm as there was Doc in this. There was a lot of Doctor. A lot of Doc. Like the swarm is probably a bad title for this because it should be the singing Doctor. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. I'm having some water just so I can as sing. You, as you, because I may, your... I may break out into opera at any moment. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to offer you a haiku synopsis, okay, Garrett. You. Here we go. For That's the good. swarm. Tom and Torres flirt. The doctor is forgetting. Reset EMH. <laughs> the swarm. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Okay, here we go. Here's my... Here's, here's the here's limerick. Here's my limerick, straight from County Cork, straight from the, the files of Frank O'Hay, our, <laughs> our set painter. How are you, Garrett? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Voyager encounters space controlled by the swarm. We must pass through without sounding the horn. 
We make a fast break. The doctor deteriorates. Inverse harmonics repel while the doctor returns to his norm. <laughs> wow, you got a lot of information in that. Little I got a lot of info. I got Ooh, a lot. Boy, of you info. did. Yeah. Wow. But it takes me forever to do this. And you know how difficult it is to do it. I know. It's so damn tough. Limericks are hard. We should like, have a limerick workshop, a Star Trek. We, you know what we should do? Yeah, because well, we didn't really start doing haikus and uh, limericks and opsies yeah. until well into our, our recap. We sort of got inspired and started doing that. Mm. And we missed, I don't know how many episodes, a dozen, two dozen episodes. We yeah. should go back and just do a special episode of we did. poetry, just haiku, limerick, poetry. Of the ones we missed? Yeah. Perfect. That's that'll as, a, be, as an episode. That'll be an episode. Just a little yeah. deconstruction, poetry breakdown. Sounds good. We should do a rap battle episode. We should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just do a whole thing. We're going to freestyle? Oh, my yeah, gosh. We'll I'm so excited. We're going to freestyle battle. this. I love I, this. I stink at freestyle, by the way. <laughs> You were pretty good that one time you freestyled. It was pretty uh, funny. I pretty no? much stink at it. No, okay. but I'll, right. I'll do it. Yeah, okay. we're going to do it, guys. Okay, directed by Alex Singer, written by Mike Sussman. I, I think this may be the first script that Mike Sussman wrote. It, it could be. It could be. I think it is. Yeah. I, I, uh, Because I, I noticed that and I was like, wait a minute. When did Mike Sussman start with us? It must have been season three because... Uh, yeah. Because uh, he was around. I think Mike was there till the ver very end. He was there for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, I liked Mike a lot. I thought he was really good. Yeah. And I feel like he was a student of Jerry Taylor's for some reason. Or a, a protege of Jerry's. And then I think about Lisa Klink being a protege of Jerry's. You know, Jerry yeah. really took a lot of these young writers under her wing and mentored mm -hmm. them. Uh, Michael Piller did the same thing. I know he had a whole scholarship fund at the University of North Carolina for aspiring television mm. writers. So uh, particularly Jerry Taylor and um, and uh, Michael Piller were these kind of mentor figures for so many writers. I don't know as much about Rick Berman. I'm trying to think. I know, I feel like um, Brandon Braga was a bit of a... a a protege of Rick Berman's in a, in a way. Yeah. I think, I think so. So yeah, I guess there is really a history of this kind of mentorship on Star Trek in, in a great way. Anyway, Mike Sussman. Well, in the credits, it shows that uh, Michael Piller is the creative consultant at this point. So I guess they were still kind of, you know, in contact with him at this mm. point, even though his office is no longer on the Paramount lot. He's mm -hmm. gone on to do his other stuff. So, or maybe that was just a credit in, in name only. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I feel like um, Michael Piller went off to do his own, pursue his own projects by mm -hmm. season and in, in season three. Yeah, I don't remember him being around that much. Yeah. That and regarding the uh, regarding writer Mike Sussman, I went to college with a Mike Sussman, so that always confused me. It was sort of like, <laughs> what? Okay, Mike Sussman from college wrote this episode? Okay. Um, and what it, what we do know is a definite first on this episode. This is the very first time that the episode begins with the Helmsman's log. Yes. Tom Paris. I know. Speaks his log. I didn't remember that. And the very mm. first moment that started, I was like, oh my God, I do... I remember seeing it in the script. I remember going to the ADR booth and uh, and and recording this uh, this log, 
yeah and feeling really i felt like that was a really cool thing like yeah to be able to do that well let me let me just say a couple of fun facts here's yep. a couple of fun facts that megan found um Number one, the official Star Trek Voyager magazine, issue number 11, Robbie McNeil gave an interview about this particular episode. Really? So, yes. Yeah. So, even though you don't remember anything about this before we watched it, you definitely remembered a whole bunch when you were interviewed for issue 11 of the official Star Trek Voyager wow. magazine. Fun fact number two that Megan found is that in that opening scene where Torres and Paris are in the shuttle, you guys are flying towards what looks like the Orion constellation that can be seen from earth wow yeah so we so were really are... close <laughs> we were so close yeah. to earth <laughs> holy crap why didn't somebody tell janeway we must have we could have just taken a right <laughs> bare right and you'll be home in like half an hour okay oh, i said it looks like the orion constellation okay it wasn't really the orion constellation okay yeah, good, good one though. Good, I like that. Yeah, let's continue. Let's talk about this crazy well, flirtation going on. Yeah, so Torres and I are out there to investigate uh, some sensor readings, some weird sensor mm -hmm. readings. We've been out there for five hours together in the shuttle, yeah. and she really wants to give up, and Paris wants to keep looking. And uh, I like that he teases her about Ensign Bristow. Yeah, she's like, Freddie Bristow has a crush on me. Fine. Freddie Bristow. Who's Freddie Bristow? Well, we do know he's attractive and he's tall and he's, you know, it actually it sounds like Ayala. Tall guy, good looking uh -huh. guy. It sounds uh -huh. like Ayala. But we never see Bristow or Bristow. No. Bristow or Bristow? I thought it was Bristow. Bristow. We never see this guy. No. Ever. Uh -uh. Right? Uh -uh. Yeah. But he's got a crush on Torres and it makes, uh, you know, Paris a little competitive there. And he asked her to go sailing on Lake Como. Lake Como. In Italy, right? Yes. Isn't Lake Como in Italy? It is. George Clooney lives there. Yeah, the undercurrent of this episode is is Italian. Lake Como, Very Italian. holiday yes, program, is. singing yeah. Italian opera, the Italian diva opera singer. I mean, it, there's a lot of Italy going on yeah. in this episode. And Torres says no. She turns Paris down. She sure does. Uh -huh. She sure does. But you are a little bit jealous, I guess. Which is Maybe feeling fun. a little competitive in that moment, but... Definitely, I think um, I do, after watching this episode, I do remember this scene in this episode being um, the beginnings. I think it's the first time where I think I said to the writers, hey, wait a minute, is there going to be something going on with, with Paris and, and uh, Bellana? And I do remember now that we watched this, the writers kind of saying, yeah, we might. We might develop something, but it's going to be very slow. I remember, th I remember that, that they were like, you know, it's not going to be fat. Like nothing's happening right away. And maybe there'll be a little something. We'll dance around this for a long, long time. So this was the beginning of that. Yeah. This is the beginning of Tom and Bolana. Yeah. Or the hybrid name Talana or the other way, Bomb. This is the beginning of Bomb. Bomb. This is amazing. Yes. Okay. So we go to Sandrine's. And uh, the doc is singing opera. And uh, and by the way, I felt like the doctor with the hairpiece or wig that he was wearing, Robert <laughs> Picardo, I felt like it looks a lot like a YouTube star, Alfonso, that some of our <laughs> fans may know. He looked a lot like Alfonso. So uh, for those curious, uh, go check out YouTube's Alfonso uh love advice from alfonso looks a lot like the doctor singing opera 
Um, well, I think the reason why he looks a lot like Alfonso yeah. is because from what I understood, that hairpiece was not provided by the hair department. That hairpiece was provided by Bob Picardo himself. So yes, it was. That is probably the exact same hairpiece that Alfonso wears. <laughs> I think so, it is. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> because Bob had lost his hair very young in his 20s, mm-hmm. uh, he had for different movies and, and theater things, uh, he had a collection of wigs or hair pieces and things um, at his house that he had kept every show that built one for him. He would buy it or keep it. So I remember once going to Bob's house and he, and he was given a tour, you know, showing me his house and he goes, Oh, and here's my closet of wigs and hair pieces. And he opened up the closet door. And I feel like there must've been like 40 or 50, you know, <laughs> wigs and hair pieces just sort of mounted like he had it very organized it was like someone would go in to, you know to try on a suit or something oh i'm going to go in my closet and get a suit he would go in his closet and he had all of these different looks which was amazing as an actor to have that as a as a way of transforming and uh yeah i think that was bob's that was bob's hair hair piece <laughs> It reminds me of an episode of Schitt's Creek. I don't know if you've seen that uh, comedy, but uh, Catherine O'Hara's character has all these wigs um, on the wall, basically in the room that they're staying in. And so Mm -hmm. she has many, many, many hair pieces. Bob showed me a photo of himself from his Yale days back Uh when he was in college, when he still had his hair. And my goodness, it is just this... Remember, this is in the 70s, right? So yeah. it's this huge, like, like afro. Afro, almost. yes. It's yeah. like this Italian afro that he has going yes. on. And it's just very hair on top thick. of more hair. Yes. Yeah. Super you... curls and yeah. and very lush. You know, it, it just looked like the Amazon jungle is what it looked like. Yeah. Um, so, yes, very different look for Bob. Um, but, you know, uh, hair or not, uh, Bob is, you know, Bob, I, I I prefer him without the hair. To be honest, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of hair pieces. I know it's sure. just it's it's a strange look when you see him with the the hair pieces of those full wigs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. he I, he sings the opera, and it was a yeah. long operatic piece. It was Very it was long. not a small little piece. No, I feel like I remember, um, I remember Bob. I feel like Bob is the one that had the idea for the doctor to sing opera, and I don't know if Bob had sung opera i think he'd done musicals a bit he has a a wonderful singing voice but i think this idea of like the doctor being a fan of opera and wanting to his character to sing was bob's pitch i I remember bob used to talk to the writers a lot about story ideas or you know things that maybe even even with uh zimmerman even with zimmerman like backstory of Mm-hmm. Of of Zimmerman, why he created the EMH and all of that. Yeah, I feel like in this episode also, the term EMH was was brand new. I don't think we had used that term before. I think we had we had called him the emergency medical hologram. I don't think anyone ever abbreviated it until this episode. I think wow. this was the first time where we referred to him as the EMH. And regarding the uh, you know the inclusion of the doctor singing Italian opera and. I this is something that I've been talking about at Star Trek conventions forever. I, I, I talk about how um, that Bob Picardo was very uh, persistent in his request for his character to sing opera. Yeah, that's and, what. Uh, yeah, he was calling the the writers endlessly, and and I always 
impersonate him and sing, hello, this is the doctor. Um, I think the doctor should sing Italian opera. You know, this is Bob. I think that the doctor should sing Italian opera. And they're, and the writer's like, no, Bob, we're not interested. Bring, hello, it's Tuesday. I think the doctor should <laughs> sing Italian opera. Uh, no, that's not the direction we want to go in, Bob. Oh, that's fine. Bring, hello, it's Wednesday. I think the doctor. <laughs> so I just, I do this as a bit, a shtick that I do on stage in, in talking about how persistence paid off. Uh, oh, totally. It, for, in my case, everything I suggested got shot down and I did not call You have back to have persistence. I had persistence with directing and it paid yeah. off. I had, I kept going back. That's a good lesson it for is. all of us. Uh, is that being persistent and don't give up. Yeah, I do remember that Bob was very much in communication with the writers about his character. Mm -hmm. um, I think Kate was with Janeway. I think she had a lot of conversations with them about mm -hmm. the character. Yeah, I think Ethan Phillips had some, I think Ethan may have pitched a story. We'll find out later on down the did road. Did you pitch anything? I'm I curious. never did. No, I wish I had. I didn't, oh. I, it really didn't occur to me as an option, but I know, I know Bob did. Yeah. I know Kate did. I know yeah. Ethan did. I know Roxanne did. I think she yeah. pitched some stories. And I think for you, Robbie, to be perfectly honest, you were too focused on directing. You weren't really focused on molding your character one way or another. You were focused on, I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, hang out in the editing room. I'm going to sit in on the meetings because my ultimate goal is I'm going to direct an episode. I'm going to, and you were, you were the first one to direct yeah. Voyager. So I coming like up soon, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, in our in our recap, soon. it's coming up very soon. I think in the very next couple soon. episodes, we uh, leave the doctor. He's called into sick bay, and Balana seems fine. She's she's very she's good to go back to work. But mm -hmm. but Tom is near death over there. He's yeah. unconscious, and they've got to do a procedure. And so yeah. one lesson, um, and I feel like I remember this. Like there's Tom again, getting injured and suffering. And I feel like last week. We had the shoot and Tom was suffering and and I I I feel like I remember this in season three, kind of saying to the writers, Hey guys, like uh is this gonna be a pattern? Is Tom gonna keep getting beat up and and near death? And uh, I thought he was gonna be an action hero. And I do remember feeling at this point like uh yeah, I don't wanna lay in a in a you know, uh, sick bay bed. I also, also to that point. So Paris is almost dead. And yeah. then a few scenes later, we'll get there in a few minutes, but I got to say yeah. this a few scenes later, he's sitting down there at the con looking <laughs> like fabulous. nothing happened. Like nothing <laughs> happened. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute. What the, like he was almost yeah. dead. Can he have a day off? Like, or yeah. shouldn't they, shouldn't they talk about it or yeah. no, he's just back at work. Like it seems like an hour ago. You, you had one scene off is what you had because there we're on the bridge and Janeway's talking to Helm and it's a female voice. It's a disembodied voice that we hear. And she's like, okay, Helm, we need to do this. And you hear this female voice going, hi, Captain. This yeah. So you're gone for that one scene. One scene. You come back, yes. I thought that, that you and, and um, Robert Beltron were going to have a, uh, um, like a, a warp, warp particles, particles moment. moment. Yes. <laughs> In I the briefing really room? Did. Is this the briefing room? In the scene briefing room, yeah. yeah. We're trying to figure out how to cross this border of these these crazy aliens. You both are like smiling. Yeah. Like, I think we're we can smiling. do this. I think we can. Yeah. yeah. We, it was yeah. really, when I was watching that, I'm like, man, I'm extra smiley in this scene. And you so were. Yeah. Yes. 
and this could this could have been really our off-camera life kind of creeping into our yes. on-camera life in a yes. way, you know, because Beltran and I were always joking around off-camera and hanging out because, um, let's face it, Robbie, you were so busy, you didn't have time for me back then. I so, know, I know, a, poor, poor guy. I know. Um, but yes, but I yeah. think it, that's what I thought too, because you were both so oh. smiley. I'm like, I think they were goofing around between takes <laughs> and they were just like, Something else was going on because it's a little too uh, smiley for what you're actually saying. Right. I agree. I agree. So I, I caught that too. All right. So after the briefing room scene, we go back to the sick bay and we realize the doctor cannot remember how to perform the operation on Paris. And I was thinking, uh-oh, I mean, this could be a lobotomy for Tom Paris. Yeah. He could end up being a vegetable. You know, you could be, uh, uh, what were you saying? That it was... Uh, it was a vegetable and then a city name. So you you could have been Artichoke Berlin after that uh, <laughs> that lobotomy. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. thank God for that. Kess is there. Kess actually knows everything. Literally, Kess is now so well. Uh, uh, she's so she has studied so much that she could literally take over the doctor's job. And that's well, what it was great. Doing. It was very well directed. I thought by Alex Singer, because the doctor started at the, you know, at the head of the bed mm -hmm. and he couldn't remember the procedure. And as he asked for help and sort of fumbled, Kess goes into action yeah. and steps away from the nurse's position to get some tools. And then he, the doctor sort of wanders over and, you realize by the end of the scene that they've swapped places and that Cass is now in the doctor position and he's yes. in the nurse position. I yes. thought that was very well, a, a nice detail that Alex uh, staged in the scene. Yeah. Did you notice how, okay. So after the, the scene continues in sick bay and now there's a conversation between Balana, Janeway and Cass. Yes. And Janeway's just like, okay, just, just reinitialize them, you know, forget about yeah all of his memories and Cass is the one that was like, wait, 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 wait. But that whole scene after watching that, I'm just watching Jennifer lean going, my God, what a tour de force. Cass could be the captain. I mean, she was, she's the, I, I made the same note. I said, she seems God. incredibly strong and mature. She had a wow. maturity in a, yeah. and a, and a presence that I was like, God, Jennifer yeah. Lean was great in that scene. She killed it. She killed really? It. I mean, yeah. I was so impressed. And of course, you know, her lifespan is only what, six years or something yeah, like that. So she's already long, so. becoming a senior citizen. Yes. Yeah, she's already, <laughs> she's kind of already in the old folks home at this point. So um, her dreams of being a captain will never be realized, unfortunately, but yeah. my goodness, Jennifer lean really just, <laughs> she knocked that out of the park. That's yeah, I was I so impressed with her. My God. Um, or back on the bridge. So Harry finds a way he finds a way that there's a, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to read what I say. This is going to be my techno babble for this episode. Okay. Their sensor net uses a series of interlaced tachyon beams. If we adjust the shields to refract those beams around the ship, we can slip across without appearing to disrupt the net. Ooh. Whoa. Nice. As smooth as your idea is, Tuvok yeah. is like, uh-uh-uh. He's not pleased at all. Tuvok does not like it. He's like, this breaks Starfleet mm -hmm. rules. If they don't want us to enter their space, uh, we yeah. should not do it. That's protocol. Yeah, because that's what he said in the earlier scene in the briefing room, right? Yep. He's the one that brings it up to Janeway. He's like, uh, Captain, do you think this is... And Janeway looks at him like, no, we're so yeah. far away. I mean, she literally just says, forget to hell with Starfleet protocol. We, are, we don't care. Which don't is care. crazy because typically Janeway is all about protocol. And in she this, is. In this episode, she just throws it all out the window. 
Which seems because of the crazy. 15 months, right? Because of the 15 extra months to get around this uh, part of space to get yeah. away from these aliens. That's why she just throws Starfleet. It's very risky. The window. It is. Very, very and shocking. Risky. And shocking yeah. at the same time. I agree. Right? And at the end of the scene, there's like this camera push in on Tuvok as he watches. Yeah. She, and, and she, <laughs> you know, Janeway's like, that's when Janeway, I think, says, Helm, take us to the border. Like, right. uh, you know. Let's, yes. Let's go. Let's do this. And, and yes. just push in Tuvok's like, mm, he's not happy. Yeah. What's the next scene that we have? Well, is uh, Torres is um, trying some things in sick bay at this with point. With the dock. Yeah. Which I love the fact that they've got Torres and the dock together. I think they're a hilarious cup duo, and I wish we yeah. saw more of them together. That was a nice combo. And, yeah. and you're right. That is a very rare combo as well. We don't see that um, pairing of, of series regulars. Yeah. So definitely good to see that i thought it was great um roxanne it makes roxanne lighter and funnier uh, torres as a character lighter and funnier i think to be in those those scenes um yeah yeah so she's trying to run some diagnostics and then she goes wait a minute we need a second opinion and so you see her go down to the holodeck and she mm-hmm. opens up the jupiter station diagnostic right. program and there we meet the holographic recreation of lewis zimmerman now uh, robbie this is where i thought that because earlier when we were talking about my god um who is the familiar holographic character that you know we were trying to figure this out yeah. and you suggested barkley so i thought oh my god this is where barkley's gonna pop in actually that was my first thought because yeah. you kind of put that in my head but no it's lewis Zimmerman, aka robert picardo once again yeah um, mm-hmm. with a whole new look now he's had the wig singing opera he's had his yeah. normal look now he's got a different look i have to say um, first of all, I thought Alex Singer did a great job staging these scenes with the split screen because you've got to have Bob Picardo playing mm-hmm. both Zimmerman and the doctor. And that's not yeah. easy to do these kind of scenes and stage them in a way that feels organic and real because you you have to film them separately. So Bob did a great job acting with probably a stand-in or, a, mm-hmm. or an eyeline um for those split screens i thought it was really yeah. well done so i think um you know i'm sure marvin rush our dp had a lot to do with you know figuring out how to do this dan curry the whole visual effects department figuring out the split screens and things like that but i thought it was really well done i also thought that bob picardo did a beautiful job of differentiating the doctor i've heard him before say the doctor because he's a computer program doesn't fumble with you know ums and and doesn't fidget, doesn't do things. The doctor is a computer program. He's a robot in a sense. He's precise. His language is precise. Mm-hmm. He doesn't stumble in his pattern of speech or mm-hmm. um or hums or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't itch himself. You know, nothing is yeah. accidental with the doctor. Mm. And I saw his work, Bob's work as Zimmerman, and it was very human. I loved it. I thought it was great yeah. because he did have Zimmerman kind of messier and you know uh nervous ticks or ums or his speech pattern was very naturalistic and mm-hmm. i thought it was really great for bob to differentiate those characters and definitely and and i i would just want to uh re-emphasize uh kudos to alex singer and the production team for really making that split screen quite seamless i mean you, yeah. you really you, you weren't jarred out of watching this episode while watching that everything flowed very smoothly so yeah. um that's a tribute to uh, uh, yeah, Singer and, and the production team. Yeah, great team. Sure. They have the scene at Jupiter Station, and Zimmerman comes up with a solution to uh, 
when he realizes he's been running for two years, he was never intended to run that long. He wants to reinitialize the program, but he says that, you know, that'll completely start him over, that, that uh, everything that's, that's happened for the last two years will disappear and he'll start back to where he's go back to where he started. Zimmerman says, let's reinitialize. And if you reinitialize, he will probably forget everything that's happened in the last two years. And Torres is like, no, we can't, I can't accept that right now. She says to Zimmerman something like, you know, if you had a patient, you'd find out the sickness, you know, you'd find out um, why the, the circuits are degrading or why the sickness is there. You try to, you know, solve that problem. So she sort of takes a beat on the whole kill him and restart him kind of solution. Meanwhile, we go and we find uh, Kim and Chakotay analyzing this map of this part of space. And they have an idea that we can, you know, create this deflector, deflect the sensors, and we can sneak through this narrow path. And Tuvok really doesn't. He's more of Tuvok, like, uh, 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 uh. he's yeah. not happy about it. And we go ahead and we enact this um, plan that yes. Harry and Chakotay come up with. And here is the line. I've mistakenly assumed that this line has come from the episode Eye of the Needle, which is season one, where we mm-hmm. find the tiny wormhole and the futuristic Romulan played by Von Armstrong. And I, for years at Star Trek conventions, I talk about the strangest line that Harry Kim has ever said. And I say, um, it's from that episode. And that Captain Janeway says, did the probe go through? And I answer, like a snake through a tube. Okay, but that is not from Eye of the Needle. And no, it's, it's our, this, I remember. No, it's from the, yeah, it's from this yeah. episode. One of the fans pointed that out to me. They said, no, it's not from that episode. It's from the swarm. It was a weird line. Yeah, it's a weird line because we basically put into effect the plan that we have come up with to get through the sensor net. And I say, I think we did it, Captain. Like a snake through the tube. I don't even say a tube. I say the tube. Like a snake Uh. through the tube. Which again, do snakes (laughs) like tubes? Do they go through them a lot? What what the heck? I don't know. It's a a weird metaphor that you come up with. So weird. So we tried the plan. Uh, It works for a second and we go to warp. But guess what? There's a resonant particle wave that is damping our warp field. So we're losing speed. It's a drag uh, on the engines. That's drag right. Drag on the engines. And we have to figure out what the heck is going on. And I must say, I am very happy with Kim's hair in this episode. Kim's hair looks great. I'm really Oh, happy. nice. Yeah, this is good. a good hair episode. Good hair episode. Well, that's yeah. what matters the most, Garrett, <laughs> as we all know. Uh, Jupiter Station, right? We're back into that. Yes, uh, we're back there. Simulation. Uh, this is where Doc does not know who Kess is. He's actually deteriorated to the point that he forgot who Kess is. What well, was beautifully um, done because Kess goes in and Zimmerman says, like the doctor doesn't speak much. And Kess is going in there and telling Zimmerman all, all these qualities of the doctor and their friendship yeah. and all. And Zimmerman's like, oh yeah? Well, if he's your friend, uh, let's see. Hey doc, do you know this woman? Is this your friend? And he looks at her and goes, no, I don't know who she is. Such a sad moment. It was very sad yeah, to me. It, I really was moved. It's sad for me too, because, you know, when I was young, my my grandfather um, developed Alzheimer's and it was just, mm-hmm. as you see someone that you know, that you're related to, um, that you're close with, that you've admired, or you've looked up to your entire childhood, and then you start seeing that person's mind slowly, slowly but surely get worse and worse and this this literally for me was like a a bit of a, a you know 
it, it really stirred up those memories for me and it was difficult for me to watch that. So yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. It's a horrible disease, Alzheimer's. And I think Bob did a beautiful job in this episode of doing a science oh, yeah. fiction version of that. And I think, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. And I think it was mm -hmm. a great idea from the writers to, uh, mm -hmm. to do the story. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, we go back to the bridge. Okay. We go back to the bridge and Janeway is talking about telling a story of when she was a kid or something. Oh yeah. She used to sneak <laughs> out and, and Paris says something like, why'd you sneak out or yeah, something, right? Yeah. Could I guess, could I guess where you snuck out to captain? What the frick? That's like snakes through a tube. It's like, was, what? That's what? <laughs> What that was so bizarre. What, you, what was he implying with that? I don't like, know. Yeah. Were you being creepy? What were it, you doing? It seemed like I was being creepy. Yeah. It was kind of like, hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to guess where you snuck out to, Captain. <laughs> Bet you got some nasty stories. What are you doing later, Captain? Maybe yeah. We can sneak out together. <laughs> we can sneak. Hey, Captain. Tom, I just want to sneak out with you at some point. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So talking about that, Paris gets a little creepy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to stop you for a second. What? Maybe th that line happened because Torres turned you down for the Lake Como thing. Right? Oh, yeah. So Could then you be. thought, all right, maybe I'll flirt with Captain Janeway again. Could be. We had a little flirtation before the prior yeah. episode in a shuttle. So you Could never be. know. Okay. Um, all right. So then we, we see a ship on sensors. We get a little closer. And the ship is beat to crap. It has been damaged very severely. Uh, they scan for life signs, one survivor, and Jamie says, beam, beam him to the sickbay. So mm -hmm. this uh, alien Chardis, Chardis is in sickbay. What's his name? Chardis, I think. <laughs> is that it? That's what I wrote down. <laughs> but when you first said it, you said Chart. Chardis? Which is, you know what Shard that is. Chardis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you try to... Yes, yeah, you know. Okay. We all know what Shardis is. <laughs> I was like, that's a horrible name for an alien. Shardis was Shard. a Mislin or Mislin uh, alien. Uh, I didn't even He's get from his Mislin. Name. I wrote yeah. that down. I noted that as we. Yeah. But anyway, they were attacked by swarm vessels. He's dying. He says, "Tell my people what happened to us," you know, and then he dies. But I got to say, that was a bad makeup alien. That was just. It, it looked like a it, clown. Yeah. It was just. It was colorful. It was red and green and yellow. Well, the hair red was when he was. Yeah, that's when he was being beat up and. Stuff, it just didn't right? look good. It didn't look good and, to me. And I love Michael Westmore and our whole team, but that one just looked not not great. Well, you said he's from this. What did you say? Mislin is what Mislin you said. Mislin is what I wrote down. Mislin. Because when he's on the bed and he's talking to Janeway, it sounds like I kept rewinding it. It sounds like he says. I come from this, this, it sounds like Island, but he says, but then oh, I after it was rewinding Mislin. it, it sounded like I come from this land that is, you know, far, far uh, in the yellow dwarf system. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's oh, what he said Megan Mislin. and I heard. We heard this land instead of Misland, but maybe it is Misland. Okay. I don't know. He's, he's dead and we're probably not going to go by there. So. Because <laughs> we're gonna, it, the swarm's gonna attack us, and we're all gonna die. I don't want to, right? You know, no spoilers. And the doc, the doctor is further deteriorated. He says, you know, he's he's a sick man. This is where sick people come, and he's yes, completely it was very funny. It, it was, was adorable and sad at the same. And sad time. at the same time, it was yeah. adorably sad. Yeah, and Cass is very sad. 
And it's just sad. Yeah, the doctor is losing his memory and he's he's dying in a sense. He's deteriorating. So let's see. We go back to the bridge and the universal translator is not working because no. one of these ships, sorry, I skipped a, a beat, but one of these shuttles that was attached to that damaged ship detaches. They didn't notice that before. Right. It detaches. Detects um, us. Yep. Sends a Polaron burst, which changes our shield polarity so now we're like a christmas tree according to chakotay yep. everyone can see where we're at lit and up like it, a christmas tree yeah it takes off uh, back to the rest of the swarm and now they are in you know they are in full pursuit they know yep. that we're there um and um yeah those those little ships what did it look like to you what did those little ships look like to you they look like pill bugs or something to me. They look like little insects. Like roly roly polies. Roly polies, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe even like a horseshoe crab, you know, kind of like yeah. that kind of segmented uh, body. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but roly poly is a good way to. Yeah. I wonder if other people call it roly poly in other uh -huh. parts of, like in England. Pill bugs, roly polies. Do they say roly poly? That's definitely an know. American thing. I think. I don't know. I think okay. roly polies and pill bugs are aliens who came from another planet. By the way. <laughs> Um, you stand by that? I do. I stand by okay. that. Yep. Roly polies are aliens. Hey. All right. So we head to engineering um, where Balana is trying to realign the dilithium matrix. Uh -huh. And Janeway's like, look, we don't even have time. Uh, we need to do this while we're traveling at warp. So uh, Balana freaks out. She says to Nicoletti, hey, we got to figure out a dilithium realignment on the fly, which mm -hmm. is uh, without killing everybody. So. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a hard, a hard task for engineering, but I think Balana's up to it. So she's mm -hmm. going to figure something out. Um, then we jump back to sick bay where Kess is uh, uh, trying to keep the doctor from leaving sick bay. Cause he doesn't even know that he has, you know, he's a holographic projection. He thinks he can just walk out. Right. Yeah. He can't do that. And it's again, very sad to watch yeah. this uh, a constant deterioration of his, his, uh, all of his synapses. And he sort of is having memories, some memories in this scene, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. It's a classic sort of um, Alzheimer's kinds of situation of, of random scattered memories that are sort of mixed up and not quite right. And I thought Bob did a great job. And, and, uh, and so did Jen. Jen Jennifer yeah. Lean did a great yeah. job. And Kess Probably. goes and begs for help on the, on yes. the, uh, on the bridge. And uh, she asked for Harry. She goes, can Harry come? Cause yeah. you, know, you know, Harry knows this kind of stuff, right? But we're in the middle of a battle. Yeah, and you know no how time. I know that? Because know? Janeway's hair is falling <laughs> down. She, clearly, we must be in battle because the hair is coming down. So It was like one one Big shake, and chunk. that hairstyle just fell right out. It was yeah. like, clunk. It was gone. <laughs> Go ahead. So Janeway's hair is falling down. Uh, the swarm is gaining. Um, Jupiter Station. We go back there to the holodeck mm -hmm. program with Jupiter mm -hmm. Station, where... Uh, Cass is the one who comes up with the brilliant idea of grafting Zimmerman's matrices onto the doctor. Mm -hmm. So sort of, um, sort of a last second, last ditch effort. Um, yeah. And kudos to Cass. My goodness, I mean, look yeah. how smart she is, right? By the way, in the in the Jupiter Station scene, I did yes. notice the prop that Bob Carter was using as Zimmerman. Mm -hmm. um, I never saw that prop before. It was like a pad, but it was larger and just a stranger shape. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they, what the history of that pad was yeah. maybe to other shows to next gen or cause often we would use props sometimes from other shows that, that uh, didn't fit in our timeline or in our space. And huh. um, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. 
an unusual pad. Yeah. That we work on. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but I, I will have to watch that again. Mm -hmm. um, now, when we're back on the bridge, when we go back to the bridge, mm -hmm. we come across a very tongue twister techno babble phrase. <laughs> we figure out that these, these swarm-like ships are emitting interferometric pulses. An interferometric mm -hmm. pulse. Interferometric pulse, which causes everything we do to kind of bounce right back onto us. Um, so we're not sure what to do about that. Mm -hmm. But at least uh, we know that that is the issue. We know what's going um, on. Yeah, and that swarm was scary looking. All it those did. pill all those pill bugs. It looked like a gaseous anomaly from Tuvok. Frankly, yes, it did. But it almost was... <laughs> as scary. Not quite as scary as <laughs> that, but almost. <laughs> we go back to Sick Bay and we're preparing for this uh matrix overlay program and reboot and stuff. But I got a question. Who is the guard in the room? Like, why is there this guard by the door? I don't know if you noticed that, but I was like, we never have guards. Yes. I mean, maybe if there's like a an alien in sick bay that we've arrested or something like that. But I was like, why? That seemed like a very random thing. Anyway. Do you think Kess requested that guard to help her wrangle the doctor? Maybe. Some kind of like leaving or trying to leave Maybe. again, you know? Maybe. Maybe. But it was odd. I saw her standing there. I was like, why? Okay. Yeah. She is definitely a member of the security. Uh, she's a security member, mm -hmm. right? She's wearing the gold, which mm -hmm. is security. Um, and, um, it, it made no sense to me either. Yeah. Like, it seemed, it, it seems strange to me too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So while that's the reboots happening and the swarms clamping on and they're forming a lattice and mm -hmm. aliens start beaming onto our, our bridge, our ship, yeah. our ship. And our, we have a, we fight them off hand to hand yeah. combat. Yeah. In fact, Paris takes a big dive at yeah. one of them and knocks him down. And then Janeway steps around and bam. Um, <coughs> yes. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and you're skipping a beat. Harry discovers the pattern. Harry discovers the pattern on the interferometric pulse. That oh, it, it is a lattice. The They're lattice. connected to each other. So if we do one thing, one, if we take out one ship, it should explode the other ships around it. And then, of course, Tuvok, the party pooper, he says, hey, but that'll just bounce it right back to us if we try to destroy the one ship. But then Janeway says, Janeway wow. comes up with her brilliant idea. Right. So reverse the idea. polarity or Rever something. Yes. Um, and that idea is, you know, really smart to uh, basically inverse the harmonics of the shield so that there you go. Yeah. So we will end up being able to actually shoot that alien ship. Um, I want to bring this up. When you tackled him, yes, I do find that this is more of an American thing. Okay? okay. Like for instance, like, okay, like something that you used to do to me, like when we were not on camera, like at craft service, yes. you would do this. You'd kind of like, just kind of with both of your hands, palms open, you'd shove me. You just kind of shove me out of the Why blue. Why would I and do like, that? You were weird. Like, I don't know. Like, you would do that a lot. And it was sort of like a big brother teasing a little brother. And you just kind of shoved me. And I, I go, hey. And like, I do remember this now. I forgot. And I didn't say anything to you. I'd be just sitting there grabbing something to eat. And you'd come up. And you'd look at me. And you wouldn't even say hi to me. You'd just go, bam. And I think part of it was like, you were thinking, God, you single lucky bastard, you. You don't have to worry Maybe about that's kids was, or so you know, family. You. Yeah, you were mad at me subconsciously. So you gave me that little poop. Well, I dove at the alien and then we, yeah. you know, we come back. They they do um back in sick bay, Cass uh 
is nervous, but she does activate the EMH. This is where yes. we call it the EMH for the first right. time, I think. He does not recognize Kess. Uh, Bolanus, he says, is someone sick? You know, why are you, why are you activating me? Is someone sick? And Bolana fakes a headache. She's like, yes, uh, I've got a headache. And he comes over. He's like, I don't know, but okay, I'll prescribe you something. And they're both sort of sad. Mm -hmm. um, Torres and Cass both feel like, okay, well, he's lost all his memory. Yeah. And he walks around in the other room and you hear him preparing the, the medicine and he starts humming, singing the, uh, the opera. opera. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was beautifully very touching. Yeah. I thought it was great. Moment. So I, I think it's very open-ended. Like, Obviously, he remembers something, but um, I'm curious to see as we watch the next few episodes if they deal with this much, like yeah. his memories coming back, or do we just jump back to him already completely uh, you know, restored? To restored. His, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be the latter. He just jumps back to being the the regular. I doctor think it again. is too. I have a no. feeling it will be, but uh, that was kind of the structure of our show. What is your lesson, Robbie, from this episode? What's your My... lesson slash theme? My lesson slash theme is, I guess on one hand, it's a question. It's like, how important are memories and how do those memories shape who we are now today? Because mm -hmm. that's sort of what the doctors, to me, that's the the heart of the, sh the swarm and, and those aliens, whatever, that's a fine, you know, ship story. But the doctor's story is the, is the emotional core of the episode. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everyone really wanted the doctor to keep his memories because that made him who he was. And um, so I guess on one hand, it's like, how important are those memories? And clearly in this story was saying they're very important. And uh, the other lesson for me is like meaningful experiences that we have in life are never truly lost, no matter how much time goes by, no matter how much we may, just like for our years on Star Trek like our years making voyagers seven years there's a lot of mm -hmm. things i know it's a joke that i say oh i can't remember but i know somewhere in my subconscious those experiences are still are still very much alive and and they're mm -hmm. part of what makes me who i am today whether i can consciously remember every detail or not um that would be my lesson yeah i like that and i'm going to suggest we've already discussed compiling all of our haikus and our mm -hmm. limericks into a book form at the end of this whole review of all the Voyager episodes. I also suggest that we include the life lesson slash theme from each episode that both of us mm -hmm. talk about. I mean, that's a great that'd be idea. A nice, there's yeah, that'd so be a nice many, little filler. There is a lot so of many good lessons. lessons. Mm -hmm. So many. I mean, that's what <clears throat> at the heart of Star Trek. That's what it. That's what it does best is is kind yeah. of reflect on the human experience in a really profound way in a way that yeah. we can all relate to. So yeah. yeah. My my lesson or theme is related to this episode, but more indirectly and more about Bob Picardo off camera. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that Italian opera was utilized was, in my opinion, because of his persistence. And mm -hmm. I do believe that that is the lesson for this episode is that you must have persistence you must engage in persistence because let's face it life doesn't always hand you a bed of roses you know there's a lot mm -hmm. of times it hands you lemons <laughs> and you gotta mm -hmm. and what do you do with those lemons you can either just sit there and scrunch up your face as you're eating them or you can turn that into lemonade and yeah. and the persistence is really turning into lemonade you've got to keep keep 
on that path mm-hmm. until you get what you need. And mm-hmm. really, Bob Ricardo did that. I didn't, you know, I didn't um, follow that path. I asked or I, I pitched an idea for Kim, for Harry. And when it was shot down or there was no interest, I took that as a no and I never tried again. And, mm. you know, I mean, and a lot of times this is, this will happen in life. You know, someone will say, yeah. gosh, I, I would love to, I would love to be a ballet dancer. And then someone will say, well, <laughs> you're too tall for that. Or you're too, you know, fill in the blank. And they'll say, you're right. Mm-hmm. I quit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it. So really persistence is a really good well, care, quality. The, the captain said, let's just reboot the, the doctor initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Kess had not been very persistent, if Jennifer Lean had not been as, as um, strong mm-hmm. and committed to finding a better solution and Torres yeah. and yeah. all of that. Yeah. We wouldn't have had the doctor. He would have been started over as a whole new person. Exactly. So, um, there you go. Speaking of the doctor, uh, so this was a great recap. Yep. Uh, for our patrons, stick with us. We've got Mr. Robert Picardo to share some of his memories on uh, the swarm in this episode in our mm-hmm. bonus material. For everybody else, uh, thanks. We'll see you next week for our uh, our next episode. Do you know what the next episode is? Yes, it's called False Prophets. So uh, stay oh, yes. tuned for next week's episode, False Prophets. All right, guys, thank you so much. Patreon patrons, stay tuned. See you soon.